So you guys have picked a great day to be in the house of God. I'm really excited and extra stirred up today, I feel like, to continue to, to, to pin down and drive down a little deeper in the sermon series that we started four weeks ago already. Is, is it just me or is time just like flying by? We are on part four already. Somebody shout the title of our message at me if you remember it. Choose life. Man, praise God, y'all sound alive and awake and ready to receive today. That's why I like it, amen. Choose life part four. Are y'all enjoying this message? A couple of you, I hope and pray this message has given you a new revelation uh, and showed you how important your daily, somebody say daily, choices are that we make. Every single day, you and I get to choose God's way or our way. We get to choose God's way or the world's way. I get to choose life of faith or I get to choose a life of doubt. I get to choose life or death, blessings or curses. We're going to read Deuteronomy 30 here in a moment. And we have to see the importance of our daily choices. When I wake up at 6 a.m. and I choose Jesus, we said last week, you know what, by the time 6.03 rolls around, I'm going to have to choose Jesus again, right? God wants us to be in, in real connected relationship with Him all day long, every single day, making the choice of faith, choosing life. And when we do that, when we choose life, a life of faith, all those things that you desire begin to manifest. Everybody's running on empty. Why? Because they haven't allowed God to fill them. Everybody's anxious and worried and panicked. Why? Because they haven't chose life. They've chose their way. They've chose the world's way. They've chose Facebook's way. They've chose Netflix's way. And God wants us to choose life. I want you to know choosing life is essential for your sanity, for your peace. For your spouse's sanity and for your spouse's speed, the, the best thing you can do for your spouse is to meet with Jesus, right? Choosing life is essential for us every single day. So before we get started, let's go ahead and look at the Deuteronomy chapter 30. We'll read a few, few verses, and before we get into it today, I, I want to say if you missed any of these messages, if you're already feeling excited or fired up, maybe you were, wasn't here a couple weeks, you can check all those messages out online for free on our social media pages or on our church app, and you can see all the things we talked about because for time's sake, we're not going to really do any recap for today, amen? So, But this is our foundational scripture, Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20, we're going to give you. So we've been using this as the foundational piece of the message of the importance of our daily choice of choosing life, right? God says this, I call on heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, against us, Liberty Church, Holly Pond Campus, that I have set before you what? Life and what? Death. Put that in the chat if you're watching. Life and death, blessings and cursing. Therefore, what? Choose Life, if you haven't already highlighted that phrase, that statement, there is the title of our message. There is the promise, the Word of God right there. He says, therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that the, excuse me, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him, for He is your life. 
Choosing life simply means choosing faith. When you're in the middle of a storm, choose life. Don't choose death. Because what you choose brings about a harvest. So when I get hurt and I don't choose God's way, I don't choose life, I choose death, I, I receive curses and more negative thoughts. And I receive more anger and more frustration and more jealousy. But in the midst of the hurt, if I press in and cling to God, something can change. Not just internally, but you can again experience the blessings, the external blessings of God when we choose life. Choosing life is simply choosing faith, God's way, God's response to the issue of life. God's response to the storm. So when it gets hard, I asked you guys this last week, what do you cling to? When doubts begin to flood your mind, what do you cling to? The answer to that question is, what do you cling to reveals your choice. Am I choosing life through the means of faith to cling and rely and trust on God? Or am I clinging to my insecurities or my doubts or the panic or the anxiety that begins to rise up? And it's in those moments that God wants us to respond appropriately and ignite that fan of faith that says, God, I trust you. I want to choose life. Amen. So look at that first point today. So the last couple weeks, we started off, we said, when we choose life, we can choose life or death, blessings or curses. We said we can choose faith over fear. Y'all remember that? Right? Last week, we said we can choose prayer over panic. Y'all remember that? And so today, our decision, our daily decision that we have to make every single day in choosing life is we have to choose wisdom over worry. Somebody say that with me. Worry. When we choose life, we can choose wisdom over worry. Wisdom, we, we need more than just earthly wisdom, right? We need wisdom from heavenly places. And you only get that through relationship with God. But this is the cool thing about wisdom. When you know who your God is, when you know the Messiah who is Jesus Christ, what he has done for your liberation, for your freedom. He's, uh, who the sun sets free is. Are there any free people here today? When you know who your God, when you know that you know that you know that you know who your God is and what he's done for you, wisdom will tell you that worry is a waste of time. Write that down. That's for free. Worry is a waste of time. Think about all the energy, all the time you spend living in worry. And the Lord just reminded me, worry is the exact opposite of faith. Ian cannot live and operate in a place of faith as long as I'm living, operating in a place of worry. When I, Now we're human. We're going to experience worry some moments, but you have to allow those moments when they come to drive you to a place of faith. Let that worry encourage you to cling to God, to press in 
to God instead of staying stuck in your worry. Worry is the opposite of faith. You can't live in worry and live in faith at the same time. And think about all those imaginations that you set up in that worrisome place. You, you, you live out every negative consequence, every negative thing, and you live it over and over and over and over. And God's like, I wish you would remember not just who I am, but who you are in Christ. Because Jesus said, worry cannot add a single moment to your life. What's the title of our message? Choose life. When you choose life via means of faith. You can't live in worry. Are you living by the doctrine of faith of worry? What a miserable way to live. Talk about curses. Talk about death. Talk about more anxiety. Talk about more stress, more panic. And God says, if you would choose life and trust me, you'll experience life. You'll experience faith. You'll experience trust. Because when you remember who God is, when you remember that God's already won, you won't have to worry. When you remember God's already won, what am I worried about? But we got to remember. There's a but. Say that with me. But. I got to remember that he's already won, right? Look at Matthew 6, 25. We're going to give you nine verses. Kind of a lot today. Verse 34. This, this is Jesus. Jesus is... If Matthew chapter 6 is, is a pretty awesome chapter. It's basically Jesus talking the whole chapter. I love red letters. Anybody else? And so if you like to hear and, and read the words of God through those red letters that Jesus spoke, read Matthew 6. It's almost Jesus the entire chapter, right? And so this is what he says about worry. This is what our God says about worry. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food? I love that. And your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or excuse me, store food in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at all the lilies in the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their own clothing. Yet even Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, He'll certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith, Jesus says? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of what? Unbelievers. Worry is the opposite of faith. I can't live by faith and please God. I mean, excuse me, I can't live and worry and please God. It's impossible to please God without our faith. But your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring about its own worries. Today's trouble is enough. So much to unpackage in those nine verses. Jesus is saying, if you're a child of God, why do you spend this amount of time worrying when everything else that God has created already knows that God is the provider? What if the sparrows 
have the revelation of how, how big God is more than we do sometimes. Because they don't worry about their food. They don't worry about what... To, now, faith doesn't mean I just believe and do nothing. When I, if, if I believe, God's always going to call me to do something, right? I'm reading a book right now, and the pastor said, if, if, if you are going to take the time to pray for it, be ready to take the time to work for it, too. Right? So we believe, but that doesn't mean I just sit on the couch like a couch potato. So I believe, but, it, but maybe the sparrows even haven't understood more than we do. Because we shortchange ourselves. Jesus said, why do you have so little faith? And I love how he summarizes this up at the end. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. There's the answer. There's the crux of the matter. There's the answer to our issue. The answer to the problems is a lot of us are not first seeking the kingdom of God. I'm worried because I'm not first seeking the kingdom of God. To live a life that is not driven by worry, we have to first seek the kingdom of God. Look at that next point. So I kind of want to unpackage and compare worry and wisdom today. So look at that next point. It says, wisdom puts first. There's that word first. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Right? Wisdom puts God first and creates an abundant mentality. It makes God what? It makes God the source. Worry does the opposite. It, it, it gives us a, a poverty mentality, a less than mentality, a they can do it for them, but I can't do it for me mentality, right? It makes man the source of your hope. When I seek first the kingdom of God by faith, I say I place my trust in you, God, for everything. I'm meeting with you, God, not for what you can do for me. I'm meeting with you, God, because I love you. And by the way, I still need you to do all these things for me, right? What did Jesus say? God already knows your needs. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel good. God already knows your needs. And guess what else he knows? He knows the things that you don't even know that you know that you need yet. You think you need this thing. God's like, no, no, no. You need this thing first. Right? You need this thing first, and then maybe we can talk about this other thing. So, but seeking first the kingdom of God. So, so when we do that, we have an abundant mentality. You see that Jesus won, so you don't have to worry. You see that because God is king, worry is a waste of your time. Because I'm abundantly favored, I'm abundantly blessed, I'm abundantly a child of God. Your God's a king that makes you royalty. So live like it. Believe like it. Speak like it. Hey, pray like it. Right? Wisdom sees God as the source. As the source. And when we do that, we get life. We receive abundance. We get the grace and the humility and the peace and the patience in the waiting places. Come on, somebody. Because you're abundantly blessed. You, you spent time, you sought first the kingdom of God. 
You went into your prayer closet, you went into your quiet time, you read your Bible, you did your Devo, and you come out of that abundant in His favor, abundant in His love, in His grace, to set the pace of your day. If we choose worry over that wisdom that says, I need to meet with God so I can see Him as my source, worry seeks self over God's plan. See, I'm so worried I don't have the energy to sit and pray. I'm so worried this thing, nothing can fix this thing. I'm so worried I just don't know if I can do this another day. Worry seeks self over God's plan. And when we do that, we get death and we live in a poverty mindset. You shortchange yourself. You doubt God. You even doubt what God's done in the past. You say, well, maybe that wasn't God. Or, well, that was good for a season, but this is different. And you begin to worry and you begin to stress. And you reap the repercussions of them choices and you experience a bigger poverty mindset. You, you experience more death, more depression, more poverty. God, he wants, to, he wants to be the source. Worry, you can let it become the source if you let it. And it wants to become the source because when that happens, you make man your God. You're not trusting God, you're trusting man to fix your problems. You're trust, not trusting God, you're trusting yourself and your own ideas and your own ways and your own thoughts to try and fix the issue. And God's like, just invite me. Just invite me into the storm. Invite me into that place. And I'll lead you out of there. I can lead you out. Amen. Look at that next point. Another thing that happens. Now, all these things are not listed really in any particular order because I really believe all these things happen simultaneously. When you make that choice of wisdom that's given by God, all these things are, are available to you at the same time. Right? Making that, that choice of wisdom, that choosing life through faith and wisdom over worry. And so wisdom hears. When you choose God's way, you begin to hear, right? And you begin to even receive instruction. Now that's backwards upside down to the world we live in, right? Because if I'm receiving instruction, that means, that means I'm wrong probably. Right? Tell your neighbors, say, hey, you ain't right all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right? Put that in the chat if you're watching. Make, make that your confession. I ain't right all the time, but I know who is right all the time. And that's why I need his ways. And I need to see that I need other people in my life to call me out on my junk and to help me. Right? So wisdom hears instruction, seeks wise counsel, and is willing to learn. Right? To get better. To see that apart from Christ, I fall short. Apart from Christ, Ian's no good. Apart from Christ, I can't do all that God has called me to do. You have to be willing to learn and be willing to learn His Word. you got to be in this every day. Willing to learn. Worry wants to do the opposite. It wants to isolate you, keep you bound, keep you stuck, and deceives us into thinking that's the only way out. That's the only way, right? And into thinking that we can do life on our own. So, 
Choosing wisdom means I, 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 I can hear instruction, I can seek wise counsel, and be willing to learn. Did you know that there is a difference between listening and hearing? Many of us heard God say. Hmm, can I step on some toes a moment? But not all of us are listening to what God has said. I heard him say, stop doing that. I heard him say, you need to get in relationship, closer proximity relationship with this person because they're where you want to be. But I heard him say, but I'm not listening. See, listening is when you heard the word and you do the word. Listening moves us to a place of faith. God's always speaking, and you can hear God, and He speaks your language, your personal language, so that you can understand and know that, that that's God telling you, God showing you, God asking you to do this. And it becomes, He puts the ball in our court, right? Okay, I said, I showed you, I spoke. Now are you going to by faith? Ooh. And so God wants us to not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Some of y'all read your word. Choosing wisdom means I understand this. This is another thing that means I understand. It means I understand that I need God first. Somebody say first and people second. Here's the thing. Each and every one of us here in the sanctuary watching us online, each and every one of us need both those things. You need God and you need others who are following God in your life. But don't get the order messed up. You need God first, and then you need people second. Because when I have God first, I hear instruction. If you read your Bible every day, I promise you, you hear instruction. You'll seek, you'll seek and get wise counsel if you meet with God every single day. If you meet with God every single day, you'll be willing and ready to learn because all of us fall short of the standard of Jesus. And I want to learn and live and try my best to do all that God has called me to do by living and following his son. Right? And then I need people in my life to encourage me and cheer me out of my victories and to be a beacon of hope in my despair. To be a beacon of hope and a springboard even in my worrisome places. How do you know you got a good relationship? When you vent to them and tell them all that's going on, they encourage you to a place of hope, to a place of faith. They don't judge you to say, oh my gosh, you don't have enough faith to believe in that. Oh my gosh, you doubted that. It's okay to, to doubt. Doubts are going to come. Those issues are going to arise, but you need somebody to vent to. You need God, you need God to vent to, but you need somebody else to vent to, too. And in those places, they don't push you away or judge you. What do they do? They pick you up, and they dust you off. And what do they say if they're really good? They say, remember that you are a child of God. What can I do to help you? I want to pray for you. What else can I do for you? And they run alongside us, right? Because we need God, but we need people Two, wisdom knows we have to keep growing, and to do that, we need to keep healthy, flourishing, godly relationships. They go hand in hand. This is for somebody. God will send people into your life. Guess who else will send people into your life? The enemy. So we need to vet our relationships. 
You better pray before you let somebody into your inner circle. Don't just open up to some random person on Facebook, right? You need to vet those people that you allow into your life, especially if you're a single man or a single woman here today or watching us online. You better vet that thing. You better vet that relationship because time and time and time again as a pastor, I've seen it. Somebody on fire for God. Praying for a spouse. They think this is the one, right? They didn't do their homework. They didn't ask them the tough questions. Because, to be honest, they knew if they did that they'd probably get the answers that they didn't want. So they, 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 they said, oh, this is from God. This is. And then at the end of the day, when it doesn't work, and they give away their purity, and they shortchange God, and they're miserable, and they're depressed, and they're hurt, and lost, and feel alone, and the devil the whole time's like, God, got you. Right? And it's because they didn't put God first. They put the person first. To have healthy relationships, God's got to be the centerpiece of all and every relationship that we have. Right? Look at Proverbs 1.5. It says, A wise man will what? Hear and will increase learning. I love that. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. So wisdom hears and heeds. What does heed mean? Listen, obeys. So write this down. This is for free too. Wisdom is not just knowing. Wisdom is doing. See, you're not really wise just because you know the right thing to do. The Word actually says, and as New Testament believers, that sin is actually knowing to do the right thing. And if you don't do it to Him, it's sin. And not doing the thing that you know you shouldn't do. And then if you do it to Him, it is sin. So wisdom is not just knowing the correct response, the correct way, the correct word, the correct whatever. You fill in the blank. Wisdom is actually doing that thing that you know you need to be doing. That's real wisdom, right? And real wisdom is not afraid to seek counsel when you don't know the right thing to do. Don't let pride and selfishness defeat you because you're too prideful to seek help from somebody else. Man, we struggle with this. I don't want to ask for help because if I do, that means maybe I'm not doing my best. Or maybe as men, we think we need to have it all put together. We need to have all the answers. No, there's not a man on the planet that has all those things. But I do know the things that you need, probably another man, close proximity that God has placed in your life probably does. And so if you're trying to get to a place, you need to find the person that's been there, done it. Right? And wisdom says, you know what? I'm not less of a man. I'm not less of a woman if I reach out for help. Wisdom says, I need to seek counsel from those who are not just, who don't just know what to do, but who are doing the right things over and over and over. Right? I know in our, in our lives, me and Pastor Jessica's life, when we've come into a new season and a new place and we didn't know what to do, 
We have always sought counsel. Jessica's great at that. I'm getting better at that. Right? Before we launched this campus, you better believe we met and talked to a lot of pastors, more than just Pastor Keith and Kelly. We, we, when we, before we started having kids, we talked to a lot of y'all parents. Right? And then we had one kid, and then two kids changed the whole game, so we had to find other parents that have multiple kids. And we learned and gleaned from y'all. Thank you very much. Right? Even in my, my, my vocation, as I worked for a pest control company, at the very beginning, I had to ask a lot of questions because I didn't know nothing. I didn't know diddly about bugs. Diddly. Put that in the chat today. How do you spell that? Diddly. That's, that's, that, that, that's Holly Pond Redneck, right? About bugs. Hey, let me spiritualize this. A lot of us, we can believe big in God, but maybe I feel frustrated. Maybe I feel less than because I don't know diddly about God's word. Hey, don't let that stop you from asking questions. To be honest, as a pastor, I don't know enough of this. I could read this 24 hours a day, 365 from now until the day I die, and I probably would still have revelation. Because that's how awesome God's word is. But don't let the lack of, don't let the enemy use that lack of knowledge to stop you from growing. Or to stop you from getting in relationship with somebody else who wants to help you and who's not going to judge you and who's going to help you through. If you're not in a small group, if you're in a small group at our church, I want you to raise your hand. Raise them high so I can see. The lights are kind of blinding. Ooh, that's not a lot. If you want to know more about God's word, you better get in a small group. Get in a small group. We provide so many avenues and ways to, to teach you and help you grow. And we don't want to just teach you and help you grow. We want you to thrive in your faith so that you don't have to allow worry to take over your life. You can have the wisdom to know, know the difference, right, and the wisdom to have faith. Look at Proverbs 12, 15. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds, who does, listens to, doesn't just hear, right? Wise, or counsel is wise. Why do I need God first? Why do I need people second? Because you've heard me say this, we all have blind spots. And if we're honest, hope you all can see me online, we live life like this. We have tunnel vision. And everything, and if we're not careful, we even make our faith this way. It's all about me, myself, and I, and where I'm going, where I want to go. And I have, I can only see, I can't see the TVs on either side when I, when I live this way. But when you seek counsel and you seek God first and people second, the blind spots begin to fade. And now I have a better perspective on everything. And the important things, somebody say important. Things that really matter that are going on in my life, right? And when I do that, I begin to see. And so we all need this type of wisdom to know when to ask for help so that I can see clearer, so that I can hear clearer, so that I can do the right thing and not do the wrong thing. So like I said, don't let, don't let pride and stubbornness defeat you, right? God resists the proud, it says, but gives grace, covering, blessing to the humble. Be humble enough, be gentle enough to just find somebody and say, hey, can, I'm going through this. Can you help me? Hey, I'm going through this. Can you pray for me? Hey, I got this question about the Word of God. Pastor Ian said something, and I don't really know if it was true or not, so I want to check it. Y'all better do that. 
Don't just take everything I say as, as, as the, the, the good news. The, I hope I, I don't miss it, but I, I miss it sometimes. You better check the things I say by his word, right? Have those questions, good, healthy, honest questions. All right, look at that next point. Almost wrapped up. Another thing that happens when we choose wisdom over worry. Wisdom fears God and hates evil. Worry fears man and compromises our convictions. When we make God our source, when we choose wisdom of faith and choose life through wisdom and faith, we make God the source. Because when we do that, what are we saying? We're saying, I fear God over everything else. Right? I fear Him and His ways. I believe Him enough. And that's really the beginning of wisdom, the Word says. This is the foundational fear and awe of who God is. And when I, when I come to that revelation, you, you better believe you'll change the way that you live. Right? I don't want to shame you into making the right choice, but if the Holy Spirit can do it for a season, that will only work for a season. But you can't really begin to live in a pleasing way before God because you want to, come on somebody, until you fear God. And when you fear God, what happens? You begin to align your values with His. We just did a whole sermon series on, on God hates, right? Some of y'all probably never even knew that was in the Word of God. It's in there over and over again. God wants us to hate what He hates and to love what He loves. And if I don't have that foundational wisdom choice of faith and do it God's way, worry will force me to do it man's way. And I'll compromise my beliefs. I'll compromise the things that I have real strong convictions about. If I don't let wisdom lead my life, right? Worry turns people into people pleasers instead of God pleasers. Worry turns people into people pleasers instead of God's ple- God pleasers. Because if you're always worried if people like you, you worry about it, you worry about it, you worry about it. That's no way to live. Now, it is healthy for you to want everybody to like you. That's normal. But I'm so glad that Jesus... Didn't detour from his mission to be a people pleaser. Come on, somebody. For you to live for God, not everybody is going to like you. And if you change your convictions, change the way that you live to be a people pleaser, you're not living a life of faith and you're not living a life of wisdom. As a new pastor, I had to walk through this and deal with this as we launched this campus almost four years ago now. I remember I, I wanted to, every time there was somebody new in the doors, I was like going extra. Like, I just want this person to like the church and like, like me and, and like the worship. And, and, like, and I was wasting all this energy. I mean, I, now that's part of, my, part of my role as a pastor to, to make people want to like coming to church. But I had to learn that lesson that, you know what, because people don't come back doesn't mean that I'm not doing what God called me to do. And if I change significant things within the church just to be a people pleaser, we might grow to a thousand people, but we might compromise truth. And then what's the point? 
We're going to sell our soul for a fake blessing. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So think about that. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Look at Proverbs 8.13. All who fear the Lord will, there it is, hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. When you live for God and relationship because you love Him, you'll begin to hate the things that God hates. There are certain things you won't allow in your home anymore. You'll probably maybe stop watching some of those types of movies. You'll stop listening to some of those types of music because you'll begin to see that this is not godly. This is evil, and this is destroying my sanity. It's destroying my peace and my joy, and it's destroying my kids' peace and their joy, and it's not truth. And so when you do that, anybody ever made decisions?